Welcome back to Public Health Plus, the show after the show, where we will continue our the momentum that we built up at the end of 30 to extend this discussion a little bit further. We were just talking about how Americans or America has this tendency to place blame on the individual, which like it's so many things with like sexual assaults, with poverty, with a lot of social issues. We tend to just focus on what the individual does. Right. We focus on the individual, ignoring the structures that may make it hard for them to be successful. And we focus on the individual yep. and ignore the structures that helped people to be successful. I actually read this article. Uh, I forgot what, it might be New Yorker, it might be New York Times, but it's one of those media sources where they talk about how a lot of times successful people are successful because of the situation that they're in. We place way too much focus on what they do. So, oh, oh my God, another thing that bothers me so much <laughs> is when they ask people, when they ask like rich people, what is your daily routine? Like that's going to make a difference in your life. Like, yes, I get up and I and I read a book and I do yoga for two hours. Like that is not going to be the difference between you and Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. Like you're not going to magically become rich. And I think it's the same mentality, which is it must be them. It must be something about what they do and who they are. And that makes them special and makes them rich. But in fact, that it's it's all the structural forces, too, that surrounds them that allows them to be the successful. So anyway. I mean, yeah, now, don't get me wrong. Certainly people have great ideas sure. that allow them to, you know, create companies and, and have wealth and those kinds of things. But they have something. Yeah. The ability to take that idea, articulate that idea, leverage it into resources and actually get the idea up and running. All of that starts sort of at the basic level of the fact that we don't have equal opportunity for everyone yeah from the day people are born actually from the day of conception mm-hmm. people have differential opportunities because of environmental exposures stresses all these other things that can impact the development of a fetus the well-being of the of the mother and child yeah, when yeah, the yeah. baby's born all of these pieces so it's not just once you grow up and what opportunities you have it's sort of from the moment we are sort of representations of our family members before us and all the sort of genetic stresses and environmental things, right? All the way up through. Anyway, I'm getting a little meta, but the point is we need to acknowledge all of the things that can influence an individual's capacity for success or not. And it's not, you know, reading a book every morning. Yeah. And there's this obsession with like rich people's daily routine, which I find absurd. And at this point, some people will be like, well, are you saying that Elon Musk doesn't work hard? I'm like, I'm sure he works hard. I'm sure he like busts his butts every day to like work a lot and make sure that, you know, his company is successful. But it's it's different to say if you work that hard, you'll be successful. That's just not true. Right. For a lot of people, that's just not true. Like there's right because we put structures in place that make it much, much harder for some people to be successful than others. Yeah. I mean, simply the ability to graduate high school is very different geographically, demographically. Yeah. All those kinds of things. Oh, my God. Oh my god. Oh my god. I, oh my god. <laughs> this again, I forgot the source, but they interview a bunch of you know Wharton, the business school. Is it Penn? I think it's part of Penn. Yeah, yeah but the Wharton, yeah. I think so. Yeah, the Wharton, yeah, the Wharton Business School at Penn. Yeah. Yeah. So they interview a lot of Wharton students about what they think the medium income is in America. <laughs> oh. And a lot of people said six figures. I'm just like, you guys need to get your realities checked. <laughs> what is the medium? What is the median household income right now? Do you know? Sixty something, which is well, you know, it's 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 definitely a big step up from the federal poverty level. But then I think we discussed in the main episode, the federal poverty level is too low. So that's not really a good measure. But the medium is around 60. And but yeah, these warden students are guessing like six figures. And I was like, what are you doing? You know who they're hanging out with? Anyway, uh, I was a little sidetracked. 
no shade to all Wharton business school students or the school, right? I'm sure. No, 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 not at all. Not at it's all. Great. It was just and funny. This, these students <laughs> don't funny. necessarily reflect all of Wharton. No, no, no. It's, it's just funny. Um, that article. The topic of the show is why does it cost money to be poor? And I don't know if you saw a post like this. There are several posts now on Twitter and on Instagram where it's like, I'm a student debt counselor or something. And when the student came in, he had $30,000 in student debt. He paid $25,000 off and he has 80000 remaining. Yeah. You know, like th- those type of posts where it just shows you how messed up interests are. Well, have we talked about my student loan debt? before. I don't know. You didn't go Have into detail. So. Right. So I graduated from school with my PhD. So whoop, thankfully whoop. my my PhD program was paid for with training grants. So that was great. But my undergraduate and master's loans in total with sort of everything over all the time was around $130,000. Had I, and I, my, my repayment amount was just under a thousand dollars a month. Okay. And had I paid that off a thousand dollars a month for thirty years, I would have paid almost like four hundred thousand dollars or whatever. It was like absurd how much money I was going to pay because I wasn't just paying back the amount of the loan; mm-hmm. I was paying interest. Yes. Which why? Why <laughs> does the federal government need to make money on me? And this was federal government loan, Department of Education loans. Why are you, why do you need to make money on me becoming a productive and contributing? Like I'm paying taxes. I pay 30 something percent taxes. Yeah, lots of taxes. Why do you need to also charge me 8% interest on my student yeah. loans? Like this is dumb. Thankfully, I successfully applied for an NIH loan repayment Yay. and they paid off half of my loans, which was awesome. Yeah. But like the people, people are like, oh, well, millennials, you know, why aren't you, you're just, you're too busy eating avocado nope, that's toast. Not why. <laughs> why aren't you, you know, buying a house and buying a car and all this kind of stuff? It's like, well, I can't. No. I could not have afforded a mortgage. I was already paying a mortgage. Yeah. I would have bought a really nice house for the amount of money I would have paid for my student loans. Yeah. Like $400,000. That's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. And, and just to like hit the nail home. Do it. <laughs> only 130000 of that was what the government loaned me to go to school. That's more than double. So the government was is more than double. almost yeah. three times as much. Almost three times. And this is what I mean when I say it costs money to be poor. And this is just one example of what I mean when I say it costs money to be poor, which is there are systems in place. God knows why. Actually, we know why. Capitalism, right? But- there are systems in place where it punishes people for being at disadvantage already. One example is student loans. Another example is overdraft fees. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing because I, I was never in a position to overdraft anything. But apparently, if you take money, even by accident, out of a bank, if you don't have that money, the bank charges you extra. Yep. You clearly don't have money. Right. You get charged <laughs> insufficient funds, like if you use your debit card or if you write a check. But something. I have insufficient. You know I don't have money. <laughs> now, I, I have had this happen okay. to me. Uh, so in between undergrad and going back to graduate school, I worked as a nurse's aide. I don't know. I think I made like $16,000 a year or something. Like not not a ton, but above the poverty level. Mm-hmm. Um but it was hard sometimes to make ends meet. And there were times where, you know, I needed to buy groceries or whatever, and I didn't have enough money and sort of living paycheck to paycheck. And, Hardship. you know, going to the grocery store and like calculating in my head, okay, like how, how much, what is this equal to? And then, you know, you use your card to pay and then suddenly you you have negative $20 because you were five cents short and now you have a $20 overdraft charge. Like it's just- Even by accident too. It's yeah. dumb. And it, it's a weird concept because 
you know those people don't have money like why are you doing this like you're are you yeah anyway so that's another example and well i had an example too that we were talking about which is like if you get a speeding ticket and then you can't you don't have the money to pay the ticket then you get fines and if you can't pay the fines then maybe you have a court date and then there's more fines fines, and fees and court costs and then you get your license suspended and that it's like this whole cycle where like if you know you can't pay the ticket sure right maybe you shouldn't have gotten a ticket in the first place but we also know that there are differences in where laws are enforced versus not right so it's not necessarily fair to just say well you shouldn't have gotten right pulled over because there may have been a reason why you were pulled over where you were but that we sort of perpetuate these cycles by charging people who already can't afford to pay even more and then and then they can't pay and then people are people are going to jail yeah for speeding tickets yeah because they can't pay right speeding tickets and then they can't pay the fines and all these things and so then they get thrown in jail like how is this an effective solution to somebody not being able to pay for a speeding ticket yeah and i mentioned a while back <sighs> i know we're both getting worked out i mentioned a while back that on my off time i make board games and uh, this was in the housing episode where i said if a board game where if you win a little bit at the beginning and then you win the whole game that's not a fun board game because literally all the players are just sitting there watching you win right which is why i hate monopoly because monopoly is once you get the ball rolling that's it the winner is practically decided right if you get the first few good rolls on monopoly like you can win the game as opposed yeah it's just that's that's life that's life and i think it's absurd how we have more sense designing board games than we do have designing our society like we have designed a society where if you win a little bit you can win the whole thing or no that's not accurate we have design society to say that if you lose a little bit you will continue to lose uh, rather than having some sort of balancing mechanics where you you have a chance right you have a chance to sort of maybe some luck maybe a little bit of you know good rolls or strategic card plays that you can get back into the game but we don't have that as a society like right and it's not that we don't have it we have intentionally designed systems yes. and structures <laughs> we've made monopoly to prevent people yeah certain groups of people from doing that yeah right like we think about redlining and sort of predatory mortgage lending and the inability for certain groups, predominantly African-American folks, from being able to purchase a home, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about the generational wealth that comes from home ownership, right? Yeah. I was reading this great book, uh, The Color of Law. Yes. I can't remember who it's written by. But he talks a lot about not just the the redlining and the mortgage lenders, but that local, state, and federal policymakers acted to help enforce these redlined maps. And that, you know, when my grandparents were buying a house, for example, let's say maybe it cost them thirty thousand dollars. That's so cheap. You know, that house, right? When when we sold my grandparents' house, I think it went for like four hundred thousand dollars or something like that. You know, accounting for inflation and all those things. But right. you think about over a 60 year span, how much wealth was accumulated that then gets passed down times 10 times wait times 12 that gets then passed down to folks and we haven't just been like oh well you know you weren't successful it's like no you're not allowed to be successful yeah you are in this lower caste which by the way i'm reading that book um cast by yes also very good isabel wilkerson i'm so bad with names but i love her book so much like shout out to both color of law and cast both so the new jim crow great book love michelle alexander but that book is dense it is dense very dense yeah and so now you know reading that and then reading cast it's just this book i just love this book so much i'm just like flying through it it's such a great book i love 
when authors make an effort to make a difficult topic accessible, which is kind of what we're, we want to do with this podcast. I think yes, channel our best Isabel Wilkerson. Yeah, and I, not to throw shades on public health, but it's it's certainly a very academic field, and we want to do our best to make it as accessible as possible. So, but anyway. Thank you so much for listening to our socialist rant. <laughs> um, I'm sure we will be revisiting this topic very soon. Absolutely. And be sure you join us on Thursdays for our more even-handed coverage of public health topics. <laughs> Slightly more even-handed. If you like the show, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. It really does help us a lot. And spread the word about the show. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health. <laughs>